And now, The Mentors, one of the most popular and unique shows on the radio today. Each week, one of our four remarkable CEOs, including Tom Lord, John Phillips, and Rick Brutico, will challenge your thinking about life and work. Sought after for their success and for consistently putting people first, treating employees and customers with respect, and helping others succeed, now these same CEOs, the mentors, want to help you achieve your highest level of profitability, success, and personal fulfillment in life, at work, and in business. Now, here's your mentor. Welcome. I'm Tom Laurie, and I'll be your host today. Thank you for joining us. Have you ever heard that phrase, don't judge a book by its cover? Well, we've got two highly successful women in healthcare that will validate that you can never judge a book by its cover or you make a big mistake. One is Dr. Celine Burke, who is a glaucoma certified optometrist and presently serves as Vice President of Clinical Affairs for a very exciting vision care company that is moving towards FDA approval for a new approach to eliminate reading glasses for all of us. She is an authority on contact lenses and ocular disease, ocular disease being a disease of the eye. She is African-American and was born and raised in Cleveland, Mississippi. Our second guest is Assistant Professor Michelle Williams, who today teaches at Cal State University and runs a business she founded that offers accredited continuing education courses for all clinical disciplines nationwide. That would include doctors, nurses, physical therapists, and many of the other disciplines that you would find in healthcare. She has 30 years of nursing and has served as the chief nursing officer for Kaiser in Northern California and as Kaiser's national director of nursing research and innovation. She is also African-American and was born and raised in El Cerrito. Selena is coming to us from Dallas, Texas, and Michelle is in the studio with me. Welcome to both of you. Thank you, Tom. It's my pleasure being here. Thanks so much, Tom. You're welcome. You've both had remarkable careers and are uh, very uh, well uh, known in the field of healthcare, and you still have a lot of life ahead of you. Uh, And I'll ask... uh, Michelle, first, who or inspired you to pursue a career in healthcare? Um, first time, I'd like to say it is just my pleasure being here today um, to share with you just the people who have inspired me and the opportunities that I've been afforded throughout my career. Um, first, I would say my parents inspired me. My father um, was a World War II Army veteran um, and a business owner in the area of uh, architecture, engineering, and construction. And he inspired me in so many ways, um, specifically in the area of business development. My father taught me the inner workings of the operations of his business um, at a time when I was very young. My mother was also a huge inspiration on my life personally and professionally. Um, Spending most of my formative years uh, as uh, sort of the um, stay-at-home mom to myself and my brothers and sisters. My mother taught me um, the value of um, compassion and also of um, a commitment to family. Um, In later years, my mother returned to college and became a respiratory therapist and imparted to me in particular the value of knowledge and the value of advocating for others. And those were some of the uh, fundamental things that I learned um, that I took on with me into nursing school and into the profession of nursing. Um, There were a host of other uh, academic uh, people who inspired me um, and – and we'll move to Selena and let her tell us a little bit about what inspired her to get into health care. Well, thank you, Tom. And much like Michelle, my parents were also that initial inspiration. My parents and also my grandparents. My parents simply because as I was growing up, they taught me to value others. And they gave me the responsibility of helping care for my grandparents. I was lucky enough to grow up in the same hometown as my dad's uh, parents. And they played a very integral role in my formative years and as I grew up. So when I came home from school every day, one of my tasks for my brother and I were actually instead of coming home, we went to our grandparents' house, like a lot of kids do. 
So we were able to, since our grandparents were a little bit older, when we were younger, we had the task of making sure that they had everything that they need to make sure my grandmother was that grandmother who never drove a car. My grandfather did everything, so when he was not around, we took my grandfather's car and made sure my grandmother got everything that she needed, went to her doctor's appointments and otherwise. So it taught me very early on to um, take care of our elders, and um, they will take care of us in return. Now, what's interesting, a parallel between both of you, is that you come from intact families. You had strong father figures, but both and, and strong mothers as well, both of them. But you both had uh, were influenced a lot by brothers. Uh, and uh, let's go back to Selena. Tell me about the importance of your brother and the influence he's been in your life. Absolutely. As I mentioned, Tom, I came from a small family, just my mother, father, my brother, and myself, so small family. But I, my brother and I were only 14 months apart. So as you can imagine, he was a very strong influence in my life. So from everything to walking earlier, I was walking at eight months old just because I'm sure I saw my brother based on my mom's uh, recollection. My, my brother was walking around, so that got me up and off the floor crawling at an early age. And as we progressed through um, elementary school and also um, high school, my brother was just always smart as a whip. He was just um, very high IQ. He tested into the Mr. Society at a very early age. And being smart just came naturally for him. And there was not a thing that my brother didn't set his mind to that he did not accomplish and he didn't set forth to do so. There was never anything that stood in the way. So I saw that as an inspiration growing up. And, again, being the younger sibling, I always wanted to strive to achieve the same things that my brother did as children. And Michelle? Um, I grew up in a larger family. There were um, six children. I had three brothers, two who were older, and I also had uh, two sisters who were younger. My two older brothers were incredibly uh, inspirational to me. Um, They were um, very smart. Um, They were able to work with my father in his business and learned his trade. Um, And they were also incredibly um, um, successful athletes. Um, in track and field and also in football. And I was inspired by them because they just never stopped. They were always um, pursuing excellence. They taught me to do the same. Um, I followed in their footsteps in high school and also um, ran track, um, cross country, and really just saw that as an opportunity for me to learn the importance and value of uh, health. Um, My brother, my brothers went on to study um, engineering in college and have uh, developed their own businesses. And so always an inspiration to me, um, always encouraging me to um, pursue excellence and to use my talents and my skills um, as a young and developing woman to do the same. So they're pinnacles to me um, who inspired me greatly. So what's important, and I'm thinking now in terms of what we're doing with the mentors, is you both have emphasized the importance of family. You've both emphasized the importance of uh, strong males in the family and a strong female. It doesn't go one way or the other, but there are a lot of fatherless uh, families today uh, throughout our country. Uh, I was a single parent, so I raised two kids. So family is really a big deal. And when I hear your stories, I smile because you've had that uh, bonding uh, that you get from your parents uh, and your siblings. I mean, it's such an important part of what life is all about. And when we come back, we're going to talk some more about this with Dr. Celine Burke and Professor Michelle Williams, two African-American women who have cracked the code on success and today serve as an inspiration for thousands. Hi, I'm the executive producer of The Mentors Radio Show. Usually I'm behind the scenes, but I want to tell you about something special. If you're an entrepreneur like me, you need steady energy and focus. Here's my secret. I rely on science-backed, high-quality, bulletproof collagen protein and other bulletproof products. My sister told me about it. At feelgreat.vip, you can learn the health journey of bulletproof founder Dave Asprey. Find out what sets these products apart from the rest. Nothing can replace the advice of your medical doctor, but good nutrition can absolutely enhance your mood, energy, and focus, like it did for me. The demands of business, not to mention important time with family and friends, make steady energy so important. With more than 1 million fans, 1 million fans, I'm not alone in recommending Bulletproof. Go to feelgreat.vip 
That's VIP, like very special person. VIP to learn more. Better life, better business. Hi, I'm Christoph Nauer. I'm a certified business and life coach, helping business owners increase productivity, profits, and improve personal life. I'm the founder of Balance Six, money, health, relationship, time management, self-improvement, and higher power. I coach business owners to work smarter, not longer, to have time for better personal life. I hold you accountable for making time available to Balance Six, to nurture yourself and your relationships, and making more money with less stress. Get off the hamster wheel, and I will show you the secrets to real success. In case you're wondering about my accent, I came from Switzerland more than 30 years ago. But I assure you, my coaching will be in excellent English. Visit our website at balance6.biz. That's balance6.biz. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is Tom Laurie, and we are with two pioneering and top-rated healthcare professionals, Dr. Selena Burke, an optometrist who is part of an executive team developing a pioneering vision care procedure that may eliminate our need for reading glasses, and Professor Michelle Williams, who's been a pioneer in mental health and continuing education for healthcare professionals. Uh, Selena, um, you went to us and started out with a small black college, I believe it was in Mississippi, Rust College. Couple of reasons. I know you had a lot of uh, opportunities to go to bigger schools. Why did you end up at Rust? And secondly, for me, you know, the classic white suburban male, tell me what it was like going to a small black college. Thanks, Tom. Two great questions. Uh, yes, Rust College is a small historically black college in northern Mississippi. It's actually my mother's alma mater. Um, she and actually her seven siblings all attended uh, Rust College uh, way back in the '60s and um, graduated from there. As you mentioned, Tom, I did receive scholarships from a ton of universities, probably more than 12, with some of the Ivy League colleges listed in there as well. And although my dreams and my hopes were very, very high, once again, that strong father in my life wanted me to have more nurturing growing up. He didn't want to send his baby daughter, because I was the youngest, out into the world too quickly. He didn't want me to grow up too fast, is what he always told me. So even though we had disagreeing opinions, Um, I decided to go to Rush College, a small college in Mississippi, just to allow for more nurturing and um, kind of growing up a little bit more slowly, more individualized attention. And although I did not agree with my father at the time, I cried many nights about it and had some regret. It was probably one of the most impactful decisions that I could have made. Growing up in that environment of historically black college um, just gives you the opportunity to really find yourself. You're not struggling to necessarily fit in. There's a certain comfort level that's there, even though that's not representative of the country that we live in. It still allows you to really, in those um, your past your formative years, but in those early adult years, to really become comfortable with who you are, uh, be unapologetic for it, and be proud of who you are. So that's what Rust College allowed me to experience in that uh, historically black environment. And then you uh, went on to um, Auburn, and you Absolutely. were the first African-American seeking a master's in zoology. What was that like? Well, that was uh, totally different. So we've got two different ends of the spectrum here. So after finishing a Rift College with a bachelor degree in biology, I went to um, pursue my master's program at Auburn University. And again, as you said, Tom, Uh, first African-American in the zoology department uh, to move forward for that particular degree. And to be honest, Tom, it was, it was the experience was different, but at the end of the day, it was all about um, education. I did have a major professor during that time that posed a little bit of a challenge along the way, but despite the challenges that were put into place, I kept my focus and I uh, ended up finishing my master's degree in a couple of years just as I planned, and overall it was a positive experience, just a different experience. And, Michelle, your experience was a little different. You were California. Uh, and then you've gone on and gotten a Ph.D. Uh, 
which is quite a remarkable feat in itself. Tell us a little bit about your educational journey. Both of you just did outstanding in school, but tell us about your educational journey. Sure, Tom. Um, I started um, college actually at a very young age. Um, I was in the 10th grade, and at that time, there was an opportunity for me to uh, take college courses. And just to begin that process very early on, I was very interested in healthcare and started taking um, some of my science courses and math courses um, again while I was in high school. Um, my father passed away when I was um, almost done with high school, so the opportunity to attend college full time um, was something that I was not able to do. Um, so I started working early. And I attended a couple of local junior colleges to complete my prerequisites for nursing school, eventually making it to Holy Names University, which is where I finished my baccalaureate degree in nursing. Um, And I was inspired to attend Holy Names um, after meeting the dean of nursing, um, Dr. Arlene Sargent. Um, and was just inspired by her commitment to healthcare, um, her um, poise and professionalism. This is Tom Lawyer. We're going to come back in a second. You're listening to the Mentors Radio Show, and we're talking about Don't Judge a Book by Its Cover with guest mentors Dr. Selena Burke and Professor Michelle Williams. Continue with your story of education, Michelle. Um, I went on to complete my master's of science degree in nursing at Holy Names University, where I focused on nursing administration and also uh, innovation. Um, And during that time, I um, worked directly with Dr. Marilyn Chow at Kaiser Permanente on my um, master's project. Um, And Dr. Marilyn Chow was just an incredible leader there. Um, She gave me an opportunity to work with a design team um, looking at the use of artificial intelligence um, in healthcare education. And at the time, it was really just a forward-thinking, um, you know, sort of technological advancement that is now really taking ground across uh, the globe. Um, I realized during that time that, um, you know, I should continue my education um, and pursue a doctoral degree in nursing. I felt that that would not only um, just culminate all of the things that I was able to learn up to that point. I'd spent, you know, uh, 10 plus years in executive nurse leadership roles. Um, I've had the, had had the opportunity to um, manage um, very diverse teams across um, many counties. And I felt that that would really enable me to not only demonstrate um, as a young professional, an African-American woman, um, that advanced education was not only something that was important, but it was attainable. Um, I have gone on to um, teach uh, in many academic settings um, at the undergraduate, graduate, and doctoral levels. And I believe, um, as I was inspired by some of my professors historically, I know that I've inspired many of my students to go on and pursue doctoral degrees. Yeah, i got to imagine both of you are just tremendous models, uh, not only for African-American women, but for women and young people and all that you've accomplished. So you're both strong families, great students, great brothers. Uh, then you had uh, – you're both athletic, very athletic – I know, Selena, you played a lot of tennis and other things. I think badminton was one of your things as well. And um, you both did a little modeling, uh, kind of the complete package, I think, in some ways. But unfortunately, the modeling part, I know, Selena, you've got a great story uh, with the dentist. Tell us about that. Absolutely. Thank you, Tom, for mentioning that. Uh, You're absolutely right. I was on the local pageant circuit way back uh, growing up through high school and that type of thing. And so our family dentist, um, who I absolutely love, I grew up with him. So whenever you come home, he's always asking, oh, well, what are you doing now? And what's next on your list? And what are you pursuing? So when I had determined that I wanted to be in the medical field at that time, I was thinking about becoming a medical doctor. I told my dentist, the answer to his question was, well, I want to be a doctor. I'm trying not to call his name, so bear with me here. And so he said, really? He said, so why be a doctor when you can marry one? (laughs) Go ahead, Tom. (laughs) So, 
Yeah, and I, I don't know if you have any stories like that, but that's the the problem that uh, attractive uh, young women sometimes get into. I, I, can you add to that, Michelle, with anything in your experience? Tom, I certainly can. Um, when I interviewed in person uh, for nursing school, and this was after doing very well in the entrance exams, the first question that I was asked in that interview was, why don't I consider modeling? I was so pretty. Um, to which I responded that because I want to become a registered nurse. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, I, think, I think that's just a great story. Uh, so we got a break. We're going to hang, hang on. We're going to come right back with Dr. Selena Burke and Professor Michelle Williams, two African-American women who have cracked the code on success and serve as an inspiration today for thousands. This is Tom Laurie, and this is The Mentors Radio. A lifetime ago, young naval aviator Tom McGuire took the oath of allegiance to support and defend the U.S. Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Now a San Francisco PD homicide inspector, McGuire hadn't thought about the oath in years, but that was all about to change. A famous local newspaper columnist had been murdered. For McGuire, there's an eerie chill of recognition about it, hearkening back to his days as a prisoner of war after being shot down in North Vietnam. A lifetime ago, another young naval pilot took that same oath. Also shot down in battle, he too spent time as a POW, same camp as McGuire. After 30 years, their lives were about to cross once again. But how and why after all these years? Multi-award winning mystery author Dennis Kohler's The Oath can be found online or for an autographed copy at oathbook.org. That's oathbook.org. Oathbook.org. Here at Mentors Radio, we've been working hard to help you succeed in every way possible. That's why we're proud to let you know about our newest find, BetterCreditDeal.com. BetterCreditDeal.com links you to a credit processing company, Cornerstone Payment Systems, that truly shares your ethical values and that can give you lower rates immediately. They don't just say it, they prove it to you. Their commitment to ethical behavior is rock solid. For example, unlike most other credit processing companies, something you may not have known before, Cornerstone refuses to process any porn-related business. They're not newbies either. The company we recommend has more than 50 years' experience and provides 24-7 in-house support. See what they can do for you today. Go to BetterCreditDeal.com. That's BetterCreditDeal.com. BetterCreditDeal.com. We're hiring. The team at KMLPC is looking for savvy CPAs, accountants, and bookkeepers who love working with nonprofits. KMLPC consistently supports and protects our clients' vital interests, offering a wide variety of accounting and bookkeeping services in addition to CFO guidance if desired. Because KMLPC prioritizes digital integration, our team of exceptional staff may work remotely with ease. If you are a CPA, accountant, or bookkeeper looking for more business, meaningful work, and a great team who puts people first and who thrives on working with nonprofits, please send an email to jobs at kml-pc.com. That's jobs at kml-pc.com. We look forward to meeting you. Remember, send us an email at jobs at kml-pc.com or click our ad under the sponsor section of thementorsradio.com. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is Tom Lauren. We are with two top healthcare professionals, Dr. Selena Burke, an optometrist who is part of an executive team developing a pioneering vision procedure that may eliminate reading glasses for all of us, and Professor Michelle Williams, who's been a pioneer in mental health and continuing education for healthcare professionals. I'm going to go back to Michelle. Uh, something uh, in your background was really interesting to me. It said that uh, you you mentioned that uh, you got good at turning things around that were in dysfunction. Can you talk a little bit about that and what you did? And I'm curious as to how bad was it and what were two or three of the main lessons you learned about turning things around. And, you know, when you turn – because I was a turnaround specialist for years. And after you do it a while, you – 
see what gets people into trouble. So maybe you can talk a little bit to that. Sure. Thanks, Tom, for asking uh, about this. Um, turning around um, healthcare environments that um, were in trouble was something that I became very good at. It started from my interest in developing new services, which I was afforded the opportunity to do with a really good a friend of mine and colleague, um, Dr. Roger Peaks, a physician um, who studied at Stanford and who had an opportunity through the University of California, San Francisco, to develop a research clinic at um, one of the Alameda County uh, Medical Centers uh, many years ago. Um, I was brought on to help um, create that new service. After doing which, I um, was recognized as uh, someone with great uh, expertise in that area. Um, So I was approached by uh, the Department of Mental Health and asked to look at developing a psychiatric emergency service in the medical emergency department. Um, The reason this was of interest to the organization was Following the departure of acute mental health from this facility, um, the medical emergency department continued to see psychiatric patients um, with complex health care needs. Um, and so in the very first interview that I had with um, the group of leaders, I brought a proposal. Um, and my proposal uh, included um, not only developing a service where these patients were observed, but also looking beyond that, um, particularly um, looking at um, cost savings. So instead of preparing the patients to transfer to a psychiatric, another psychiatric emergency service to be evaluated, my proposal included preparing the patients to go on to that next level of care that they needed. Um, the service was very successful, and that just started a uh, op- an opportunity for me to do that kind of work further. I took on another position as director of nursing services at a troubled facility that was uh, currently um, in the process of being decertified. And I was asked to look at the service and see what I might do to help turn it around. Um, and what I did, and this is how I got good at this, was I looked at the regulations, um, I evaluated the problems that were identified by um, the state, um, and I sort of did like a um, deconstruction of the problem to the core and rewrote policies, retrained staff, um, put in internal controls wherein my team and I um, monitored the progress up to the point that the state surveyors came back um, and found that we were absolutely in compliance. Um, I did this in two or three facilities for a particular mental health organization um, that were facing closure and decertification and very quickly received um, commendations for the success that we had in turning the organizations around. And actually, even to this day, I keep in contact with these facilities, and it's just incredible to see that they're very successful. They've not sort of returned to some of the problems that they've had in the past. And I think part of what um, what I did was looking at the people, looking at the strength of the organization, and looking at how to leverage um, people who are very committed to um, the success in order to um, improve historic problems that these facilities had. But you, uh, what you did, uh, this is a lesson for our audience, is you stepped into some very challenging situations. Uh, you got them turned around, and you ended up with a great deal of visibility, uh, which led to people wanting you to come work for them. I mean, that's one of the things that you learn along the way. And, uh, uh, Selena, you you were in an optome- a very large optometry or ophthalmology practice in Dallas, and then you made the shift into the uh, corporate side and the, the clinical development of a new procedure, which we will talk a little bit about in a second, and that has to do with the getting rid of uh, uh, vision care or uh, reading glasses. Um, what was it that you did? What caught the attention of the people at Refocus? What was it that stood out? What is it that you stepped forward you we're seen by people. Absolutely, Tom. And uh, that it's, it's somewhat of a parallel to what Michelle was talking about. It's also, it also has to do with um, figuring out what the problems are and deconstructing those. Um, again, I started with Refocus 13 years ago. It's employee number six. So at that time, 
uh, one would know that um, if you've ever worked with a startup company or a very small company, you wear very many hats. Uh, every everything that's going along, you kind of got your hands in it. So what we were able to determine, especially as years have passed, it's kind of determining uh, what stood out for refocus when I was pursuing the position was the fact that um, I was in a very large ophthalmology practice where there were 17 technicians and with varied backgrounds. Um, pretty much most ophthalmic techs kind of learn on the fly and they learn you get specific about uh, certain duties and uh, tasks depending on the practice that you come from. So you have some technicians that have more expanded backgrounds and some more limited backgrounds. So I took those differences um, while we were in practice and actually combined all of those to do similar to what Michelle did and just develop and streamline procedures and protocols that made the training and the experience the same for those technicians. So that way, despite which technician is working with which physician, um, the results only always ended up the same when you're taking those um uh, exam findings and trying to determine which, um, say, for instance, which intraocular lens you're selecting. It really makes a difference depending on what technician is collecting that data. So what we did was to problem solve and to streamline the process, we made sure that all the technicians did the testing the same and they were able to come up with the same results. And that carried over to refocus, Tom, and that's the question that you were asking is what did we focus the and what was valuable to them if I was coming in as a, an optometrist that did not have research experience. And that was the main thing that stood out was that problem-solving element and the way we could actually streamline the data collection amongst the clinical sites that we were bringing on board. I would also add, knowing both of you, uh, we, just, uh, we just did a show on communications with Carmen Gallo. Uh, the, both of you are very good communicators. And you know how to communicate in a way that gets uh, people to respond to you. And that's such, I think you guys are both, but you guys, you both of you wonderful ladies, women, <laughs> professionals, both of you are just uh, great communicators. Uh, I don't know if people tell you that, but you are. Uh, both of you are great communicators. And that's such a key to success. Uh, we mentioned that Warren Buffett said that if you can communicate, you increase your value by 50%. And I think you, we've all seen that. And you guys are great. So we're going to take a quick break and come back and continue on with our discussion with Dr. Selena Burke, who is an optometrist and part of uh, Refocus, uh, bringing this new product to market, and Professor Michelle Williams, who's been a pioneer in the nursing arena for Kaiser and others. This is Tom Laurie, and this is The Mentors Radio. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive. But our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, We've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. Hi, I'm the executive producer of The Mentors Radio Show. Usually I'm behind the scenes, but I want to tell you about something special. If you're an entrepreneur like me, you need steady energy and focus. Here's my secret. I rely on science-backed, high-quality, bulletproof collagen protein and other bulletproof products. My sister told me about it. At feelgreat.vip, you can learn the health journey of bulletproof founder Dave Asprey. Find out what sets these products apart from the rest. Nothing can replace the advice of your medical doctor, but good nutrition can absolutely enhance your mood, energy, and focus, like it did for me. The demands of business, not to mention important time with family and friends, make steady energy so important. With more than 1 million fans, 1 million fans, I'm not alone in recommending Bulletproof. Go to feelgreat.vip. That's VIP, like very special person. Feel great. Dot VIP to learn more. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. 
Welcome back. This is Tom Laurie, and we are with two top and wonderful healthcare professionals, Dr. Selena Burke, an optometrist who's part of an executive team at Refocus that's right now focused on getting rid of reading glasses, and Professor Michelle Williams, who's been a pioneer in the mental health and continuing education for healthcare professionals. Michelle, what are you doing now? You've got your own business. You founded your own business. What? And I saw that you've got a, your something to do with an incubator and helping startups and everything. It sounds exciting. What's that all about? Thank you so much for asking, Tom. Um, this is a really exciting time in my life and my um, career. Um, so my new business um, is actually something that I have been thinking about and planning for for 10 years or so um, and recently had the opportunity to really focus on developing uh, my business plan and um, an opportunity presented itself in the form of a wonderful um, building in um, a local Bay Area city that is really booming. Um, So my new business, um, which will be launching uh, in the next couple of months, centers on continuing education for healthcare professionals Um, nurses, physicians, social workers, those of us who are required to um, take continuing education every couple of years to continue uh, to, um, uh, you know, uh, recertify our licenses. Um, The difference with my business is that um, the continuing education that um, myself and my colleagues will be creating um, will be cutting edge. Um, There's also a custom sort of element to um, the continuing education in that um, I work with a team of uh, academicians and researchers who are able to create um, any content very quickly. So I see um, my uh, business as being a part of the future of healthcare, where we will, um, you know, sort of be a part of a uh, community of uh, healthcare professionals who are driving what the future looks like. Um, my business also includes a um, startup incubation component um, and an innovation accelerator component. Um, there are lots of business across businesses across the United States and globally that um, are set up so that innovators can come in, set up shop, and use the space as they're incubating their businesses with their teams. The difference with mine is um, it's sort of like um, a library. In that, you know, a group or individual can reserve space for hours or a few days. Um, imagine the team that's dispersed across the globe who are in town and they're heading to San Francisco or the Silicon Valley to pitch their idea to a venture capitalist group. Um, my physical location will allow the team to meet in very creative innovation space uh, with all of the um, sort of cutting-edge AV equipment so that they can continue to sort of nurture and and develop their business idea and also prepare to um, present that idea to a group that might, well, invest in them. Um, Another aspect of my business is um, actually patient and family-facing and this um, component is uh, sort of the nonprofit arm. Um, my doctoral research was uh, in the area of chronic disease self-management. I did a secondary analysis of Stanford University's uh, chronic disease self-management program. Um, and so this um, will allow me and my colleagues to educate um, patients and their family members on um, self-management of their health care condition, um, which will enable them to have better outcomes, to avoid hospitalization, um, and also um, just to live longer and healthier lives. Now, on the incubator uh, part of the business, is this mostly healthcare companies or are you open? Is it kind of anything? I think it's anything. You know, some of the skills that uh, that I've developed over the years uh, are in the area of um, innovation methodology, um, human-centered design, um, of course, design thinking. So it could be any business, actually. But with your background, I, uh, I, anybody that's in healthcare, particularly on the delivery side, where there's so much room for innovation, working in your little, you're not little, in your shop as an incubator, with you kind of there, you could be a tremendous asset for a young company to understand the the flow and how things really work. I mean, that, 
I could see that as being really powerful. Absolutely. Uh, so this is Tom Laurie. You're listening to the Mentors Radio. We're talking about Don't Judge a Book by Its Cover with our guest mentors, Dr. Selena Burke and Professor Michelle Williams. You just heard from uh, Professor Williams a second ago. Uh, Selena, we're going to jump quickly and we're going to be running out of time. Uh, but I want you to talk. tell us a little bit about Francis Isaac. Francis Isaac. Wow, Tom. That brings back a lot of memories. Mrs. Isaac was my 11th grade English and composition teacher, and she was just a ball of energy. She was um, a small statured lady, but boy, did she know her stuff. And boy, was she so inclined and so motivated to make sure that every student in her class walked away with everything that you needed to be able to tackle your um just to tackle the world beyond just English. She was just such a motivator. She was a, a widow, which made her a single mom raising a young son, and she was just so inspirational. She challenged us. And when she recognized that you had, um, well, she saw, she saw potential in everyone, and I think that's the thing that made her so great. But even though you were deemed smart and you kind of came with transcript in hand and she kind of knew what to expect, she still challenged you to go the extra mile and not to become comfortable with where you are right now, but always to reach just one step beyond and reach for more. So she was a huge inspiration. That's a great story. Now, you both, uh, it's clear to me that nothing has held either of you back from uh, success and moving forward. But was there ever a time, and I'll, I'll start with Selena, um, where you were terrified? Gosh, uh, yes, Tom. <laughs> There was a time, and, you know, when you're younger, you can conquer the world. You know, you don't know what you don't know at that time. So everything that's put before you, thankfully, to, again, strong parents, grandparents, and just that family unit, you think you can tackle the world. But as you become older and the blinders come off and you see the challenges that the world, um, you know, throws in your way, there are times where you become fearful and you think you're not going to be able to get to that next step. And probably... Ooh, that's a good one, Tom. I would say probably stepping into practice for the very, very first time. One of the challenges that I was met with was, of course, you're young. I was in my early 30s or maybe I was late 20s. I lost track of time uh, when I stepped in to see my first patient. And the technician worked up the patient and everything. I've got my white coat on, and I come in the room, and I greet the patient and everything. And then the patient asks me, well, when am I going to see Dr. Burke? And it kind of took me back because I was already fearful that I was going to, I've got a diagnosis and treat this patient on my own, and now I've got the patient in the chair asking to see the doctor when I'm obviously the doctor. So in that moment, <laughs> I gained my confidence. I thought about everything that I had learned, because I knew at that moment I was going to have to prove, I'm using air quotes over here to that patient, that I knew my stuff and that I was the doctor. So once I got over that fear and I got through that first patient, and I could say that I had that patient for years, to come back to me as pretty much a confirmation that I made the right decision and I knew myself. When we return, we'll continue our discussion with uh, Dr. Selena Burke and Professor Michelle Williams. Like us on Facebook at TheMentorsRadio.com. You will find all of our show notes and links at TheMentorsRadio.com. That's TheMentorsRadio.com. This is Tom Laurie, and this is The Mentors Radio. Better life, better business. Hi, I'm Christoph Nauer. I'm a certified business and life coach, helping business owners increase productivity, profits, and improve personal life. I'm the founder of Balance 6, money, health, relationship, time management, self-improvement, and higher power. I coach business owners to work smarter, not longer, to have time for better personal life. I hold you accountable for making time available to Balance 6, to nurture yourself and your relationships, and making more money with less stress. Get off the hamster wheel, and I will show you the secrets to real success. In case you're wondering about my accent, I came from Switzerland more than 30 years ago. But I assure you, my coaching will be in excellent English. Visit our website at balance6.biz. That's balance6.biz. A lifetime ago, young naval aviator Tom McGuire took the oath of allegiance to support and defend the U.S. Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. 
Now a San Francisco PD homicide inspector, McGuire hadn't thought about the oath in years, but that was all about to change. A famous local newspaper columnist had been murdered. For McGuire, there's an eerie chill of recognition about it, hearkening back to his days as a prisoner of war after being shot down in North Vietnam. A lifetime ago, another young naval pilot took that same oath. Also shot down in battle, he too spent time as a POW, same camp as McGuire. After 30 years, their lives were about to cross once again. But how and why after all these years? Multi-award winning mystery author Dennis Kohler's The Oath can be found online or for an autographed copy at oathbook.org. That's oathbook.org. Oathbook.org. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is Tom Laurie. This is our last segment. We're with two top healthcare professionals and pioneers, Dr. Selena Burke and Professor Michelle Williams. You both, in the roles that you've been in, uh, leadership roles and uh, professionals and African-American. Do you fully understand the role you play as a model for younger people? And what are you doing to help younger people? Because you really are both just outstanding examples of what somebody can become, regardless of their ethnic background. And I'll start with uh, Michelle. Thank you, Tom. Um, I think it's very important to first recognize um, the fact that we are role models. Um, whether we choose to be or not, we we are. Um, and I learned this a long time ago, but one sort of um, situation that really stands out was during the time that my daughter was uh, finishing high school and preparing for college. Um, and I did all of the things that any parent would do just to make sure that she was um, – exposed to all of the right uh, resources, that she had opportunity, that she understood that she was fully capable. Um, and I collected all these notes and all of the various, um, you know, sort of programs that she um, was was able to participate in. And then she went off to college, she went to USC, she went to graduate school, she has done very well. Um, and Maybe five years after she finished, um, a member of my church came to me and said, hey, you know, well, Tiffany went off to USC and she's done really well. Would you be willing to share um, her experiences and your experiences as a parent um, with members of the church? Um, And at the time, you know, we attended a church in Southern California, a very modest church. There was a wide range of um, families that attended there, some very poor. Um, And so I put a booklet together. Ended up being about a hundred pages, um, and I was able to capture all of Tiffany's experiences, and I presented that in many different venues in that church. And over the years, I've been contacted by groups across the United States, which is really interesting. I never expected that, asking me if they could have a copy. Um, the interesting thing about that booklet was. Um, at the time that Tiffany was heading off to college, um, our youngest son, Murphy, said as Tiffany was leaving, I'm going to college too. And so that was the title of the workbook, I'm going to college too. And I've just been blessed 
to share that with many different um, groups, uh, lots of poor families. And it's been just very gratifying to see that it's been useful um, as a model of what a parent can do to support their child. So you're a model in a different way, in a very positive way. Not yeah. that you're the other kind is a negative, but Selena, how about you? Absolutely. Michelle is indeed a model. And for me, Tom, um, very similarly, since I don't have children, I try to live my life every day as an inspiration to the younger generation that I come in contact with. So even if I'm out and I'm browsing around in a store or I happen to go to a fast food place, I always recognize those individuals that are going the extra mile. We're in the in the um, time of millennials right now. They have a different work ethic and different outlook on life, and not to say there's anything wrong with it. It's just different. But I try to acknowledge those people that you're really, those, those young people that are really trying to take pride in what they do. And that was one thing my parents always told me, is that regardless of what you do, be the best at it. Be the best at what you do. And those that actually try to go the extra mile and you see them trying, um, just encourage them. Just to constantly be an inspiration, have a kind word, to be amazed that as much as we travel and as much as I travel, you're always going to come across someone. So I always try to think about doing something to brighten someone else's day or to to reach out. And I'm home a lot since losing my father. I visit my mom a lot in Mississippi. And just trying to be an inspiration to every person I come in contact with, there, specifically the younger generation, to let them know that you can go beyond Cleveland, Mississippi, and you don't have to come to your environment. If you believe it, you can achieve it. Well, you both are great role models uh, for all of us. I'm inspired by both of you. Uh, Thank you, and I'm sure everybody that uh, has crossed your path would say the same thing. Well, that's it. We're running out of time. Our topic today has been Don't Judge a Book by Its Cover. Our guests have been Dr. Selena Burke and Professor Michelle Williams. Thank you for sharing your precious time and insights on breaking the barrier to success for all women, and in particular for African-American women. You are an inspiration. Remember, if you tuned in late, you can listen to this and past shows by downloading podcasts by going to our website, thementorsradio.com. When you are there, make sure you make it easy for yourself. Subscribe to future shows. Thank you for listening. We will be back next weekend at this time for the next edition of The Mentors Radio. Until then, this is Tom Laurie signing off for today. Remember to be all that you can be and keep the candle lit for all who struggle in the darkness. It's been The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. To get more information about the program or a sponsor, to download a podcast of today's show, or to leave a question for our host, go to TheMentorsRadio.com. That's www.TheMentorsRadio.com. The preceding program, copyright CBJ, LLC. All rights reserved.